Hi, and welcome to Menlo Church Online. Menlo is a place where we believe that everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. So sit back and relax, and here we go. It really is good to be with you this weekend with everything going on in the world and in our lives. It really is a gift to be able to spend a little bit of time every weekend in worship as a spiritual family. That is why we're here. This is why we're in this room right now, to give God glory and honor and praise and to fix our eyes and our hearts on him. And for thousands of years, when the church has gathered a... um, collection of writings in the scriptures known as the Psalms have been a very useful tool to help us prepare our hearts and to focus on him. The Psalms are a collection of of hymns and poems that were written over the span of about a thousand years. Um, And there were various authors who put these Psalms together. Uh, We know uh, that King David, for instance, he wrote about 75 of the Psalms that we have in the scriptures. About half of the Psalms were written by him. Uh, Then there was a man named Asaph who also wrote about 12 psalms. A group of brothers named the sons of Korah, they wrote about 12 psalms. Solomon wrote one or two. Moses wrote a psalm. And then there was a man named He-Man who wrote a psalm. Imagine that. Imagine your name was He-Man. My name is He-Man, master of the universe. And I write poetry as well, right? (laughs) And then there are about 50 psalms that we don't know who wrote. They're anonymous. They're just kind of given to us. And Uh, The early church fathers put them together in the canon of scripture, and we look to them as well to help us orient our hearts to God. And I want to look at one of those psalms this morning, Psalm 95. We don't know who wrote this psalm, but this is a psalm that the church has used for centuries to inform our thinking of worship. So I want to read this psalm to you now. You can follow along with me, or if you'd like, you can take this moment to just simply close your eyes and let the words of this beautiful poem speak to your soul. Psalm 95, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. In these seven short verses, the author of this psalm, the Psalter, invites us to come and worship God. Not once, but twice. In verse one, he says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And then again, in verse six, he says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He's inviting us to sing for joy, to shout aloud, singing and shouting. These are the kinds of things people do when they get really excited about something. People tend to scream and shout when they're really passionate about something that's happening or someone they love. Maybe you've been to a rock concert in a stadium or a big auditorium and everybody is singing together at the top of their lungs, singing along with their favorite band. 
Or maybe you've been to a sporting event. Maybe you've gone to watch the Warriors play basketball. And when there's a, an alley-oop or a three-point shot, everyone stands up and they shout and they scream for joy. Next Sunday, people all over America are going to be yelling and screaming at their television screens as they watch the 49ers play the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And hopefully for us in our community, there will be tears of joy rather than weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> the psalmist is inviting us to pour out our hearts to God, to sing for joy, to shout aloud. But the question is why? Why should any of us do that? Why should anyone come before God in worship? That is the question. And so the psalmist gives us at least two reasons in Psalm 95. He says in verse three, for the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. The psalmist is saying we should worship God because he's great. And in just in case you're having a hard time understanding how great he is or his greatness, he helps us out a little bit. He says that in his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The seas are his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Like listen to the language the psalmist is using there. In his hand, he holds the depths of the earth. The highest peaks belong to him. He shaped the dry land. The psalmist is using the image of an artist or a potter molding clay, using his hands to shape and form the earth. That's who God is. That is the God that we're being invited to worship. He's an artist who's fashioning all of creation with his own hands. And then King David uh, also is reflecting on the greatness of God and his majesty. And in Psalm 8, King David says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And then listen to what David says. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place. What is mankind that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you care for them. You see, as David is pondering the majesty of God, as he, I imagine as he looks out into the night sky and sees the sky full of stars, he thinks of the greatness of God, how big he is and how small, therefore, he becomes as he thinks about the majesty, the glory of God. Think about the universe for a moment, the galaxy that we live in. If the Milky Way were, say, the size of North America, the solar system that we belong to would be the size of a coffee cup. Our sun and the nine planets, or the eight planets, depending on how you count, that revolve around the sun would fit into a coffee cup, and the Earth would be the size of a grain of sand, a dust, a, a speck in the cup. And scientists tell us that there are probably over 100 billion galaxies, that the universe is bigger than what we can see. And the psalmist is saying, God holds this in his hand. He has created the moon and the stars and the sun, and he's done it with the work of his hand, with his fingertips. So the first reason why the psalm is inviting us to worship is because God is great. He's bigger than we think. And it's so easy to forget that, isn't it? 
It's so easy to lose sight of who God is and what he's done and how great he is. Sometimes we are consumed with other things that overwhelm us. We think about what we've accomplished or achieved and we don't realize that God is actually great and majestic. And then in verse six, the psalmist says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And here the psalmist is saying the same God that created the universe, the stars, the sun and the moon, all the planets, the universe, the galaxies, is the same God who created you and me, all of us. He is our maker. Not only is God really big and infinitely powerful, God is also intimately personal. He thought of you. He created you. He knows everything about you. And that is why he says, let's kneel before the Lord, our maker. This great God, this majestic God also created us and he knows us intimately. This past week, I uh, had to take my father to go see an ophthalmologist because he has swelling in his cornea. And in that short visit to the doctor, I learned more about the human eye than I could have ever asked for. I learned that there are over 100 million cells that make up one eyeball. And in that eye, there are rods and cones, there's an iris, there's a cornea, there's a retina, there's a lens, a pupil. I mean, it's this fascinating organ and we get two of them, most of us, right? And what it does is it enables us to respond, to react to light so that we can see color and shapes. We can see mountain peaks and sunsets and rainbows and the faces of people we love and art. Aren't you glad we have the ability to see these things with our eyes, the eyes that God has created and given to each one of us? He is our maker. In our bodies, we have over 60,000 miles of veins and arteries that pump blood and oxygen to give us life and breath. 60,000 miles of veins and arteries. That would be like going from San Francisco to New York City back and forth 21 times. And every inch of those veins and arteries, God put there. He created. That's how he designed us. On our tongues, we have 9,000 taste buds that give us the ability to taste and to savor. Aren't you glad we have 9,000 taste buds on our tongues? I can give you a long list of reasons, and on top, it's got to be ice cream. How many of you like ice cream? How many of you enjoy a nice cup of coffee? How about bacon? How about a fine glass of Cabernet? Raise your hands. Okay, we're at church. You shouldn't raise your hands. <laughs> Thank God that he put 9,000 taste buds on our tongues so that we could taste and savor and understand the beauty of flavor. There are 200 bones in our bodies that are attached to over 600 muscles. So if you enjoy running or playing the piano or dancing or hiking or playing basketball, every time you can do one of these things or any of these things, you should thank God who is our maker, who created us and formed us and thought of us. The Apostle Paul calls us God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good work. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a piece of work. <laughs> the Greek word for workmanship that Paul uses is the word poema, which is the word that we derive, our English word, the word poem. And so when Paul calls us God's workmanship, in some ways we're like 
God's love song. So turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's love song. If the first reason why the psalmist invites us to worship God is because he is great and he is bigger than we think, the second reason why we should worship God is because he is our maker and he knows us and he cares for us. He knows everything about you. He knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know yourself. And in verse seven, it says, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And the psalmist is saying that God is the one who provides for us. We belong to his pasture. He feeds us. He takes care of every need that we have. And we're the flock under his care, which means that God gives us protection and guidance. Whenever you're overwhelmed with life, it is God who can rescue you. When you're lost and confused, God is the one who can give you guidance and direction. When you're afraid or you're in danger, God is your shield. And this is why the psalmist invites us to worship God because he's bigger than we think, because he's a great God, and because he cares for you. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter four, there's a little short story about Jesus. And I think this is an important story because it brings together the reason why we should worship God. We know that Jesus is the word made flesh and that all of the, the law and the prophets and the wisdom of the scriptures in the Old Testament are all embodied in the person of Jesus. He lived it out. And in Mark chapter four, there's a story of Jesus on a journey with his disciples and they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night, going from one place to another. And while they're in this boat on this body of water, a furious squall comes upon the boat and the disciples are afraid. They are terrified. And in their panic, they search for Jesus. They look for help. And when they find him, Jesus is sound asleep. And so when they wake Jesus up, they say to him, Jesus, Lord, do you not care if we die, if we perish? And we read over this so quickly, but think about that question for a moment because it's so deep and so profound. God, do you care? Do you care about me? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you understand what I'm facing today? Do you see the storm? And I don't know about you, but I know I've asked that question before. God, where are you right now? Where are you when I need you most? Do you not care about me? And so Mark tells us, Jesus wakes up from his nap and he looks at the disciples and he says, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? And then Jesus says, he speaks to the ocean, he speaks to the wind and the waves, and it is still. And the disciples watch Jesus and they say, who is this man? who commands the wind and the waves? Who is this man who has this incredible power and can speak to creation and control it with the sound of his voice? And yet, who is this man who loves his friends and comforts them and protects them? He is the son of God, the great God, the creator of the universe and our maker. And so what I'd like to do is to read this psalm one more time. 
I'd like to read it one more time. And I'd like to invite you to let these words speak to your soul and sing to your hearts. And then we're going to pray and I'm going to invite our worship leaders to come and lead us in to worship so that we can sing songs of joy to God. And so here again, one more time, Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with, with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are great, that you are mighty, that you are majestic. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. And we thank you this morning that we could remember through the reading of this psalm who you are and what you've done. But just as important as who you are and your glory and your majesty, God, we are also reminded that you know us, that you are not too big, you are not too far you are not too preoccupied with how big the universe is to not realize who each one of us are and what we face and what we go through. And God, you love us and you care for us and you speak to us. And so God, as we sing to you, would you sing back to us? As we worship you, as we lift your name, would you meet us here? May we feel your presence right here and right now. And we pray this together in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed the message and that you took something from it that you can apply to your own life. If you wanna keep up with what's going on at Menlo, follow us on social media and we hope to see you again soon.